Coming up on this episode, the Golden State Warriors make a savvy signing on a two-way contract, plus analysing the potential fit of Dwight Howard on the Warriors this season. Welcome back to the Golden State with Mates podcast. A little bit of news floating about with the Warriors over the past 72 hours since my last episode. Of course, in that episode, I ranked seven free agents that the Warriors have been working out in the last couple of weeks. Go check that out if you haven't already. But uh, since then, we've had a couple of big pieces of information. We'll start with the confirmed signing, and that is Usman Garuba to a two-way contract. So three weeks ago, when Garuba was waived by the Oklahoma City Thunder, I wrote a piece for Blue Man Hoop stating that he would be a perfect two-way signing for the Warriors, and I hold that opinion now. Now, would I preferred Namias Keita, who became available as well? Maybe, but I think uh, the Warriors were probably further down the line with Garuba by the time Keita became available. Obviously, he was waived by the Kings earlier in the week, and he has now just signed a two-way deal with the Boston Celtics as well. But that doesn't change the fact that I think Garuba is a really savvy Excellent signing from the Warriors. He's a 21-year-old. He has played 99 NBA games. So to me, that shows that at 21 years of age, he's still got plenty of upside in him. He was a former first-round pick of the Houston Rockets, obviously. Uh, But he does have some experience, obviously, in the NBA, playing with a young, rebuilding Rockets team. And uh, even before that, playing in Europe, he's a Spanish international. So six foot eight. A little bit undersized height-wise, but he's got a really thick body, uh, big frame, 7'2 wingspan. So there's plenty of upside here, I think, in this uh, acquisition for the Warriors. He certainly plays above his size. Uh, now, I know, you know, take per 36 stats with a grain of salt, I understand that. However, uh, per 36, he averages 4.2 offensive, 7.4 defensive, and 11.6 total rebounds across his first two seasons in the league. He is an impressive rebounder. Shot 40% from three-point range last season. Now, again, take it with a grain of salt. It was on less than one attempt per game. But again, there is signs there of being a capable three-point shooter. And there's small signs of passing ability. If you go and see some of Usman Garuba's highlights, some of the passing ability that he possesses uh, is certainly impressive and is, is something that can hopefully be developed further in the Warrior system. The big thing, I think, here from a Warrior perspective was uh, the fact that Garuba was characterized as arguably the best defender of his draft class coming into the draft. Now, maybe that hasn't materialized uh, across his first two seasons with the Rockets just yet, but that was a pretty horrific Houston defense the last couple of seasons. I'm not sure you want to be taking anything from the individual perspective uh, too seriously with how the Rockets have been the last two seasons as probably the worst team in the league over that period. So there's plenty of upside in Usman Garuba on both ends of the floor. I think he's a fantastic signing for the Warriors. And it just goes to, I guess, further a point that the Golden State are heading towards where they're now, I think, changing their approach to evaluating the talent of young big men. And the Warriors' recent history, and I wrote about this on Blue Man Hoop yesterday, 
the recent history with their young big men isn't great. If you go back beyond Kevon Looney, or sorry, after Kevon Looney uh, in 2015, 2016, he was drafted, one of the two years. Anyway, uh, if you go to the, the the big men that they've drafted since then, you've got uh, Damian Jones, Jordan Bell, Alan Smiley, Geach Smiley, of course, uh, and most notably, obviously, James Wiseman taken with the second overall pick. Now, if you look at those kind of players, I think they really proved one-dimensional players who were never really fits with the Warrior system. And I don't want to turn this into a, a James Wiseman hating episode because you know I still have hope for James. I, I wish him well in Detroit. I hope he turns into a starting caliber NBA player and becomes the player that he wants to be. But how many times did you see James Wiseman actually pass the basketball when in his time with the Warriors? Like everything that James did, you know, whether it was pick and roll, you know, if he's in, in a pick and roll, which is, you know, which is rare for the Warriors because Steve Kerr doesn't like to run too much pick and roll. But during those situations, especially early last season when, you know, him and Jordan Poole coming off the bench, that kind of bench duo, how many times do you see James Wiseman catch the ball on the roll and then look for outside shooters in the corner if the defense collapsed? How many times? I could probably count on one hand how many times he made a kick-out pass to an open shooter. Whenever he got the ball, it was look at the rim and try and score. Whether it was in that pick-and-roll situation, whether he catched the ball on the block, you know if he caught the ball on the block, it's going up. It's you know a power move. Uh, in, you know It's a spin move to the basket. It's a mid-range jumper. It's not passing the ball. It just isn't. And that's, I think, the issue for the Warriors is the best... Um, center options for the Warriors over the last 10 years have been Andrew Bogut, elite-level passer for a center, and Kevon Looney, who's an excellent passer, excellent screen setters, both of those guys as well. And that's something that James Wiseman didn't have. It's something that Damian Jones didn't have. It's something that Jordan Bell didn't have. Um, and Alan Smilagic was just never an NBA player, full stop. So there's a clear direction here, I think, to go away from that kind of one-dimensional style of player. And not necessarily prioritize the size. You know, Wiseman athletically was, you know, unbelievable. It's why he was taken second overall. You know, guy that's seven foot, seven foot one, seven foot seven wingspan, incredibly athletic. He had the physical tools to, you know, it still has the physical tools to become a really good NBA player. Uh, it just was never going to happen with the Warriors with the contrasting styles between Wiseman individually and the team as a whole under Steve Kerr. So I think now they're looking towards not necessarily prioritizing the physical size of players, not even the athleticism as such. Although, um, you know, in the case of Trace Jackson Davis, he's got some you know fairly impressive athleticism and and will be a kind of vertical threat for the Warriors in the pick and roll if he does get minutes, you know, this season or next, whenever it may be. But I think they're looking towards guys. There's two elements here with Jackson Davis and now Garuba with you know two young centers. It's defensively, and that's more so Garuba's uh, game, obviously, being able to be versatile on defense. Not a huge shot blocker as such, but a guy that can be a presence on the interior, but can also, if he gets switched out onto space, into space uh, against you know wings, guards, can hold his own a little bit. Now, obviously, that's got to be further developed, and he's nowhere near polished when it comes to that side of his game. But the elements are there to be able to do that, and I think that's important in the Warrior system. And the other thing is, on the offensive end, just the passing ability, as I spoke about before. Guys that aren't going to catch the ball and look at the rim 100% of the time. Guys who will be able to find 
open shooters in the corner or cutters off the weak side. And I think that's what Jackson Davis uh, showcased a little bit, not only in his time in college, obviously, uh, throughout his four-year career there, but a little bit with the Warriors in uh, in Summer League over these two games there. Most of it you know, was finishing at the basket, but I think Jackson Davis has shown the ability to be a capable passer, and I think Garuba has as well in his first two seasons with the Rockets. So they're the two things for me are, you know, the Warriors taking a direction here, less about the size and the athleticism of the player, but the fit within their system and defense and passing, I think are the two big factors there when, when we look at, taking a different approach to young big men. So excited to see what Usman Karuba can do for the Warriors this season. I don't think he's going to get too much run. I actually think Jackson Davis, you know, it's going to be an interesting battle, like between Jackson Davis and Garuba to see, you know, who may be ahead of the other when it comes to playing spot minutes with the Warriors this season. But I think they should both enter training camp with the idea that if they're, you know, have a good preseason have a good training camp, are impressive in the preseason outings, that you know they could potentially earn some minutes here, obviously, behind you know Kevon Looney and, and the small ball options of Draymond Green and Dario Saric. But, uh, yeah, Garuba, savvy signing, like it. It's the second of the Warriors' two-way contracts, obviously, behind Lester Quinones as well. So they're re- two really good uh, two-way contract pickups. Really good. You cannot fault that um, from Mike Dunleavy Jr. in the front office. Uh, absolutely fantastic there. And they've still got one to use, obviously, with three now available. So it'll be interesting to see who they utilize there and it'll probably come down to a training camp battle. So within the same few hours as the Garuba sign, we also had the reports that the Warriors will meet with NBA veteran Dwight Howard uh, this coming week or in the next few days uh, about a potential role with the Warriors, obviously with their vacant 14th roster spot. So Dwight Howard, it'd be it'd be super interesting. It'd be fascinating to see him on the Warriors. It would be uh, it'd be crazy to be honest. But uh, I'm not. I can't sit here and you know say that I'm desperate for the Warriors to add to their center rotation and then be picky and choosy about who they select. And I spoke about that uh, on last episode in regard to Dwayne Dedman and Derek Favors, neither of which I think are fantastic you know options by any means. But there probably aren't really any fantastic options in terms of big men for the Warriors' 14th roster spot. And I think Dwight Howard kind of fits into the same kind of mold. So I don't want to be too hypocritical by saying that, you know, hey, I uh, I really want the Warriors to sign a centre, but then, you know, have them sign Dwight Howard and think that's an absolute stinky signing kind of thing. So uh, he is going to be 38 in a couple of months here, though. And that, I think that's the, the big thing here for me is trying to evaluate how much impact Dwight Howard's going to be able to have when he's 38 in a couple of months. A lot of workload on his body. Didn't play in the NBA at all last season. I think when you get to the age that he is now, you really have to question whether or not he's going to be able to come come back um, from having a year out of the league. Obviously, he played in Taiwan and put up big numbers there, but who really cares, in all honesty? You know, how much impact is he going to be able to have here? But I guess for me now, it's... Well, does he really have to have much impact? And at this point, particularly with the signing of Garuba, I think that the need for the 14th roster spot uh, being a center is a little bit less now with Garuba available because I think 
at a stretch. You can put Garuba or Jackson Davis out there for five, ten minutes every third, fourth game, if need be, depending on injury issues and, and foul trouble and stuff like that. So the need for a center, I think, is a little bit less, which means, to me, if they go with Dwight Howard, if they go with Dwayne Dedman, if they go with Derek Favors, if they look at Blake Griffin, like, at this point, it doesn't really matter to me, who they pick out of these guys if they do pick one of these guys because you're going to be putting them out there, as I said, five, ten minutes every third or fourth game maybe. And the returns you're going to get from that kind of quartet that I just mentioned I think are going to be pretty similar regardless of who you really pick. Like None of them are going to have a huge impact. None of them are going to be part of your playoff rotation. We get that. It's just to put a body out there when you need it in the regular season and to try and lessen the workload on Kevon Looney and Draymond Green. And you know what? If that's Dwight Howard, then that's Dwight Howard. And I would be fine with that. Now, I do think, again, with the Garuba signing that you know, maybe the Warriors are more open here to a wing forward kind of being uh, a part of their setup with the 14th roster spot. I spoke about you know, Juan Toscano-Anderson at length last episode. I still think he is probably the one most uh, in line for that 14th roster spot just with the ability um, off the court that he has to provide a, a culture and a, a chemistry aspect that the Warriors really missed with his absence last season. So I think he's still probably first in line for me. Uh, but if it's not him, then it probably should be one of these other center options. And again, as I said, I don't think it really matters which one it actually is. You know, Dwight was actually decent. for. I know the Lakers were horrific in the 2021-22 season. I'll get into that in a second. But his numbers were decent, and Dwight Howard's numbers have always been decent. He averaged 5.9 rebounds in 16.2 minutes per game. He's always going to be an elite rebounder. If the game was just about rebounding, I feel like he could probably play till he's 50, right? He's just one of the best rebounders this league has ever seen. And so he can do that in his sleep, no worries. He averaged 6.2 points. The numbers were pretty good, right? He started 27 games that season for the Lakers. So his actual last stint, in fact, his last couple of stints in the league, Philly was a little bit different, but the Lakers uh, in the bubble, you know, that bubble year, he was very good for the Lakers. Uh, And then obviously... Uh, his last season with them, you know, pretty decent as well. I, you know, I, it's a little bit unfair, I think, the fact that he didn't get a shot anywhere last season. The, the real question for Dwight is kind of the the leadership aspect that does does he bring that? Like, is he going to be a, a plus for you chemistry-wise and culture-wise? I do go back to comments last offseason when he was talking about the fact that he actually wanted to go to the Warriors to provide some kind of leadership and coaching for James Wiseman. And I thought that was a really good comment, the fact that you know he understands where he is now in his career and he wants to give back to the game, give back to younger players who, who are trying to make their way and become you know as good as he was in his early years with the Orlando Magic. So I like that. Uh, maybe he could do the same and really, if he if he was to join the Warriors, maybe he does provide that kind of aspect to Trace Jackson Davis and Usman Garuba and helps develop their game a little bit, albeit they're probably slightly different players to, to Dwight in a sense. Although, you know, Jackson Davis probably has elements of, of Dwight Howard in terms of the, the pick and roll. And hopefully for you know both Jackson Davis and Garuba, maybe the rebounding, more importantly, is something that Dwight can can teach them and bring them along with. So I don't I don't hate it. I don't love it. It's met to me like and it's the same with all these other bigs. I think Blake Griffin was probably the one that I pushed hard for the most. Probably cooled on that a little bit just because I've come to the realization that it doesn't really matter 
to me, who they go with here, it's a body to put out there for five, ten minutes every few games to, to try and lessen the workload, as I said, on Kevon Looney and Draymond Green. I do want to quickly point out, though, I, these, you know, obviously after the reports of, you know, the Warriors meeting with Dwight here in the next few days, there have been comparisons between this Warriors team and that of the Lakers 2021-22 roster and jokes about the Warriors being you know, a retirement home with the acquisition of the 38-year-old Chris Paul and obviously a Dwight Howard potentially who's going to be 38, as I said, in a couple of months here. So I just want to put it on record that this comparison between this Warrior roster and the 2021-22 Lakers is laughable in my opinion. It is completely laughable because that Laker roster was star-studded, bunch of future Hall of Fame players who were all well past their prime. And really looking back at it, we shouldn't have been surprised that it failed as spectacularly as it did. They had nine players 32 or above and had five players over 35 and above. If you look at this Warrior roster, they have currently five players 32 or above Six, obviously, if they bring in Dwight. And two players, 35 or above. Three, if they bring in Dwight. If you look at this Warrior roster, Steph Curry may be 35, but he's arguably still incredibly close to his prime, if not still in his prime. He's still an MVP caliber player. If you look at Draymond Green and Clay Thompson, 33 years of age, both of them, maybe they're not quite in their primes right now. But I think there's still realistic goals for Draymond Green and Clay Thompson to come into this season thinking, I could be an all-star player. I could be at All-Star Weekend uh, in February as a Western Conference all-star. I think that is a, a realistic goal and it isn't too far out of the realms of possibility. Although unlikely, you would you would suggest. But still, they are close enough to their primes for the Warriors to be considered one of the championship contenders this season. Chris Paul is 38 years of age. Yes, uh, he'll be 39 come the postseason. Maybe he's a little bit washed, maybe, but he still averaged nearly 14 points and 9 assists last season. Like They are good numbers. He is still an effective, positive NBA player and someone that you want on your team. Right, so this idea that there's a there's a comparison between this roster and, and the Lakers is just it's laughable to me. The Warriors have got two starters, Andrew Wiggins and Kevon Looney, who are in their prime in their late twenties. The Lakers didn't have that. The only player you could make the argument was in their prime on that Laker roster was Anthony Davis, and we know the injury history. I just wanted to clear that up. That you know, even if the Warriors do sign Dwight here, I don't think they're in any danger of you know falling and crumbling like the 2021-22 Lakers did to a 33-49 and 49 record and 11th in the Western Conference. I just don't think that is going to be in any way plausible, even if they do sign a soon-to-be 38-year-old Dwight Howard. But anyway, that's going to be it for this episode, guys. Let me know what you think about the signing of Usman Garuba and the potential signing of Dwight Howard. You can comment below on YouTube if you're watching slash listening here. Or uh, you can tweet me at POC252, P-O-K-252 on Twitter. Uh, next episode, Lee and I, or Lievin Dimani and I have recorded our uh, player award preview for this season. So again, with Lee on, we kind of go around the grounds. It's not necessarily warrior focused. But if you do want to listen to kind of our predictions uh, along with um, the betting odds, 
for some of the player awards, obviously MVP, Depoy, Most Improved, Rookie of the Year, Six Man, all that stuff. Uh, that will be out in about 48 hours' time. So looking forward to that one. As always, any likes, comments, reviews are always greatly appreciated. And uh, be on the lookout for that next episode with Lee Evan in about 48 hours' time.